0: From a pastor in Statesville. The top 10 signs that you're broke. Top 10 signs you're broke. Number 10, American Express calls and says, please leave home without it. Number 9, you're developing a plan to rob the church food pantry. Number 8, painful companies don't call you to switch. Number 7, you rob Peter, then you rob Paul. Number six, you clean your house for the sole purpose of finding loose change. Number five, you know you're broke if you think of a lottery ticket as an investment. Number four, your baloney has no first name. <laughs> i like that one. Number three, when the church has communion, you go back for refills. Number two, when you check your balance at the ATM, the screen just says LOL. And number one, all your ketchup comes from McDonald's. <laughs> I've been guilty of number one for sure because if it's free, it's for me, baby. All right, well we're near the end of a series called The Blessing, and I hope that through this series you're discovering that you're more blessed than you think you are. We got any blessed people in the house today? Come on, last week we talked about even those living at the poverty level in the United States are among the top 20% of the wealthiest people in the world. Over half the world's population lives on less than $2 a day. You are more blessed than you think. We got any blessed people in the house? Come on, look at somebody, tell them, you're blessed. So in this series, we're learning how to put God first, and that's been the theme up until this point. Somebody say, God comes first, okay, and then we're learning how God has blessed us to bless others. So come on, say this with me. I know we're talking a lot today, but I've got to get y'all to help me preach this morning. Come on, somebody say, I'm blessed to be a blessing, to be a blessing. God wants to give us resources so we can bless other people around us, amen, Last week was real fun. We talked about tithing. (laughs) And in our red cards last week, somebody asked me a question, and, and I love questions. There's a reason that we have a space for them on here. It's a good question. It's a tough question. This is the question that they asked. They said, do pastors tithe, and how does that work? I am glad you asked that question. Let's let's like say it's sickle to a bulldog because this is a, this is a big deal to me personally. Okay, first of all, if somebody calls himself a pastor or a church leader and they don't tithe, they're not worthy of that position. Period. The apostle Paul said in First Corinthians 11one "Follow me as I follow Christ." Those in church leadership are called to live by a higher standard, to be an example to those they lead. If they're not tithing, they're not practicing basic obedience. In fact, they're living in disobedience to the scriptures because Malachi 3 8, will a man rob God? God says, Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So I don't care what title you call yourself, you're not qualified to lead in the church of God if you yourself are robbing God. Secondly, and I'm trying to think about every facet of this question, secondly, you don't tie it to a pastor. You tie it to the church. Okay? If somebody, a pastor or spiritual leader, asks you to make the check out to them personally or ask you for cash, run, baby, run. <laughs> you better go the other way as fast as... You can, because the pastor and the church are two separate things. Got to get the witnesses for it. <laughs> church body is sacred and should be honored as such. One of the first things that I did when I became pastor here is I removed myself from all the finances. My name's not on any account. I can't write no checks. Why do they do that? Not because I'm bad with finances. It's because my background is in finances. I came from banking. My first ministry job was a church financial administrator, and I saw the ins and outs of how church finances work. It is crazy. It ain't nothing like banking. But there has to be accountability in ministry. There's got to be separation. And for accountability, I, I don't know if y'all plan on me talking about this, or I don't know if I did either, but you asked, so I'm going to answer any way I can think of. For accountability, I'm an ordained minister in the Assemblies of God. That's what our church is a part of, an awesome missions organization of 70 million people in 144 nations. And the great thing about the Assemblies of God is they believe in accountability. And they check every year to make sure I'm tired it. Because in the Assemblies of God, we believe that if, if you teach your congregation the importance of tithing. You sure better be doing it yourself. So how it works, and I, I share this sometimes on new members' slides, how it works is that 10% of my income goes into the Assemblies of God to support the work of missions locally and globally. And then whatever and I do is a second 10% of our income goes here to Generation Church because we believe in the local church. Not everybody does it that way, but that's the way... We do it, and I can tell you, God has been faithful. God has blessed us, and He has sustained us. Now, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you it got tight sometimes. Amen. But when we get tight, we stand on the faithfulness and the promises of God, and we can pray with confidence, knowing that we are walking in obedience to God, and He is faithful to His Word. And he has always been faithful. Amen? Everybody good? I hope that answered your question. If you have that question you're here today, you can talk to me after service. I'll be glad to go through all of it. But ministers, leaders, pastors, they've got to set the example in this. If they don't, they shady gravy. You better go somewhere else. Amen? Doesn't that just get awkward how many of you can say in your all life, God Into the faithful? Me too. Amen. Aren't you glad God is good? So today, let me give you the 10 commandments of handling money God's way. Now, don't be afraid that I have 10 sermon points. They're going to be brief. Don't you worry. We're going to get ahead of here and eat something. They're going to be brief. In fact, you don't even have to remember all 10 sermon points. Here's the deal. Remember the one you hate the most. Why? Because that's the area where you need the most work. So you don't have to remember all ten. Remember the one that you just hate above all the other ones, because that's where the Holy Spirit wants to work on you. Y'all ready? Number one, God comes first. I don't have to spend a lot of time on this one, because y'all know it. But the first commandment in Exodus 20 says, I'm the Lord your God, who brought you out of sleep, where you shall have no other gods before me. God comes first, even in our finances. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the last fruits? With the second fruits? The middle fruits. Is that it? Honor God with the first fruits of all your increase. Who saw this with Cain and Abel? Abel gave God the first of his flock. Cain gave God some of his crops. One offered his first and was blessed. The other did not and was not blessed and got mad about it. In fact, he got violent about it. Put God first and seek Him first. Not to get stuff, but to honor the Lord. And to trust Him to take care of the rest. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 6.31. He says, therefore do not worry. That is a message for the times we're living in. Anxiety is higher than it has ever been. I heard something this past week that said that the anxiety level of the average teenager today is just as high as the average mental patient in the 1950s. In other words, people in the 1950s with that level of anxiety, they were committed for full-time treatment in a treatment center, and yet we're expecting teenagers to live a normal functioning life today with that same level? We've got a problem. That's why in December we're going to go into a mental health series, and we've got a Christian counselor who's going to come do a seminar here in the church on dealing with anxiety in children and teenagers. <laughs> How many of y'all know? It ain't just the teenagers. It's the big kids, too. Jesus said, do not worry, saying The Sunday morning question, what shall we eat? <laughs> Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek last. But seek occasionally. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When you put God first in your life, He blesses the rest. And I mean, really put Him first in your heart. I remember years ago, I saw a husband and wife come in, and y'all, y'all know the Sunday morning <laughs> they've been yelling at each other, tucking each other out in the car on the way to church, and they walk in, praise the Lord, hallelujah. This is the day, the Lord has made. <laughs> You can just tell that look. when well, the man comes in. and they, Carrying a box and he throws it down and he kicks it. Somebody said, What's wrong with y'all? She said, Well, we started tithing today. You think God's going to bless that? (laughs) God doesn't want you to give like that. He doesn't want you to give out of guilt or obligation and certainly not out of anger. If you throw a duck fit when you give, You ain't going to be blessed. Why well, you're not putting God first in your heart. 2 so Corinthians 9 6 says this. Remember this whoever so sparingly will reap sparingly, whoever so generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided what? In your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Number one, put God first. Number two, don't worship material things. The second commandment in the Bible deals with worshiping idols, worshiping man-made things. Matthew six nineteen, Jesus said, "Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart." will be also. So where is your heart? Is it in material things or is it in the kingdom of God? Don't worship material stuff. Because anything can become an idol if it comes between you and your relationship with God. Your house, your car, your cell phone, your clothes, your baseball, collect you to yourself. The list can go on and on. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. It's not an idol unless it comes between you and the Lord. Number one, put God first. Two, don't worship material things. Number three, don't use God's name selfishly. This goes along with the third commandment. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That term in vain is the Hebrew word shav. Somebody say shav. Oh yeah, we got some Hebrew shavs in the house. I love it. Shav literally means vanity. What do you think about when you hear the word vanity? I think about self-centered people. Don't use God's name selfishly. In other words, don't make Christianity about getting more stuff. Remember that God blesses us to do what? To bless others. I'm going to say this. It's okay to pray for things you need and it's okay to pray about things you want. Jesus said we ought to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And I've prayed for a lot of bread in my lifetime. (laughs) When you have a need, it's okay to pray. God, give me. But more than that, we ought to be praying. God, use me. It's okay to pray for your needs, but your needs shouldn't be the only needs that you ever pray about. Ten by the commandments: put God first. Don't worship material things. Don't use God's name selfishly. Number four is partner with God. Partner with God. This Christian life is not all you, and it's not all God. It is a partnership. God told Israel, I'm going to give you six days to work. You're not going to work every day all the time. You've got to take a break because it's not just you. It's me in this thing too. God is saying, partner with me. You do your part. I do my part. Let me put it like this. God can do more in six days than you can do in seven days. And if you don't believe that God can do a lot in six days, read Genesis chapter 1. He can get a lot done in six days. <laughs> your money should be a partnership with God. Trust Him that if you manage your money His way, He'll do more for you than you could do for yourself. I've seen that in my own life. I know that God is good and He's faithful. When we try, we're partnering with God. When we're generous to people in need, we're partnering with the Lord. Proverbs 19 17. If you help the poor, you're living to the Lord. He will repay you. Hallelujah. Do your part of God's faith do his. Number five, we're halfway there. Number five, take care of your family. I don't know about you, but my family's like homemade fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. All right. You can't choose your family. If you could, Thanksgiving would be different, wouldn't it? <laughs> an important part of being wise with money is taking care of your own family, taking care of your own house. 1 Timothy 5, 8, If any provide not for his own house, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Bible takes that very seriously, and so should we. Take care of your family. Exodus 20, the fifth commandment is honor your father and mother. Why were children told to honor their father and mother? Because that's where they're supposed to learn about God. And that's where they're supposed to learn about money too. Parents, be an example to your kids. They're watching and they're listening. Be an example in how you spend money. Be an example in how you talk about money. If your kids, all they hear you say all the time, if only we had more money, everything would be better. You know what you're telling them? That's not enough. That it's not faith in God. It's not wisdom from the Lord. We just need more money. We need more cash. Think about that. Think about what you're teaching your children. Think about the example that you're setting for them. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. cannot serve both God and money. Are you teaching your children to trust God and maybe their money well? Number six. Look at that. We're just flying through these. It's like ripping duct tape off the skin. It's just going real fast. (laughs) Number six. Live on a budget. The sixth commandment is thou shalt not kill. When you don't live on a budget, you're killing yourself financially. A budget will tell you how to spend money without emotions getting in the way. Now, I'm going to use a bad word right here in church today. I'm going to use a four-letter word, and it is a bad one. Math. M-A-T-H. Get acquainted with it. Use a little math. Add up what you make and what you spend. It might tell you something. Amen. Again, a budget keeps emotion from messing with your when I was in high school, we had a school fight problem. People were just fighting left and right. So one day they called us all to uh, our homeroom, and my homeroom teacher came, in. all the teachers were required to read this statement on fighting. Now my teacher was a gym teacher. You could tell he wasn't really into it. He just <laughs> he just read it like a, this time for Ferris Bueller's Day all. He just read this blanket statement and made sure everybody listened. And he was not expecting any follow-up questions. So somebody raised their hand and said, uh, Mr. Jones, what do we do if we walk up on a fight?" And he said, uh, go with your instincts, son. <laughs> go with your instincts, son. So later that day, there was a fight in the hallway. You know what I did? I went with my instincts. I bet $5 on the big girl. <laughs> Come on, Monique, you got this, girl. You got this. Only Christmas to man. I bet all my money at least I'm praying for Lord. Please let Big Mo win. Please let Big Mo win. You know what? I lost my lunch money that day. <laughs> Apparently, Crystal took taekwondo over the summer. She Judy taught Big Mo league, and it was over. What's the moral of this story? There is one. Don't let emotions tell you out to spit your buddy. <laughs> let me move on before I get fired. All right, uh, number seven live within your means. The seventh commandment is thou shalt not commit adultery. What is adultery is looking for fulfillment outside of your own marriage. In other words, be satisfied with what you have. Don't go looking outside to get more. Hello. Proverbs 5.15 says this. Drink water from your own well and share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? was real, is it? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. I love the Bible. The way the Bible word say, drink water from your own well. Come on, tell somebody, drink from your own well. In the same way, we should live off of what God has given us, not off of other people's money. Hello, Americans have more debt than anybody else on this planet, and we also happen to have the highest rate of depression. I believe those two numbers are connected. Credit card is one of the worst inventions in modern times. This is what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 22, 7, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. God does not want you to be a slave to debt. If you're buried in debt, Get help. Talk to somebody who's been there. You're not the only one to go down this path. Take a class. Read a book. Do that. Talk to somebody who's been there and done that. Don't get into debt for Christmas. Don't get into debt for vacations. If you can't afford to fly to Paris, go to LaGrange. That's French. I'm just saying, there's ways to save money. Almost done. Number eight, don't steal. Thou shalt not steal. It's pretty straightforward, right? But here are four ways that Christians steal when it comes to money. If you're not tithing, you're stealing from God. If you're not putting money into savings, you're stealing from yourself. If you're not putting money into retirement, you're stealing from your future. And if you're not building building a legacy, you're stealing from your children. Don't steal. Here's a simple point. Pay what you owe. Romans thirteen eight says this, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. I worked on a project with a group of people Several years ago, this is probably almost 20 years ago now, and things didn't end well. I owed them around $300, but they owed me around $1,200. So I said, you know what, we're just going to walk away from this thing. Forgot about it for years. But it came to a point where it seemed like every time I prayed, all I could see was that $300 been like that, just all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would just drop something in your heart that you couldn't get away from and run from or look the other way from. Every time I pray, I see that $300. You know what I did? I wrote a check for $350. I gave a little bit of interest. Do you think I got my money back from them? Nope. But i tell you what I did get. It's a whole lot better. I got peace in my heart. I didn't have that weight that burden that I owed anybody anything. <laughs> and I felt so much peace. Integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody else knows about it, even when you don't get nothing in return. Amen? Don't steal from God. Don't steal from yourself. Don't steal from your children or anybody else. Amen? Ten financial commandments. commandments number one. Number nine. Be a good witness. Those was, thou shalt not bear, false." Witness, listen, when you're trying to tell your neighbor about Jesus, make sure that you have financial integrity. Make sure that when you're sharing the gospel with them, they're not looking over your shoulder wondering why you can't afford to paint your shutter and then there's Mercedes in the the driveway. We all heard that. Hmm. Keep a good testimony with how you manage your wealth. Use wisdom. And the last one, number 10, be content with what you have. The 10th commandment of Exodus chapter 20 is thou shalt not covet. Philippians 4.11 says this, Not that I speak in regard to thee, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Listen to me, my fellow Americans. <laughs> you have been trained your whole life to not be content. Between, between TV, radio, and the internet, the average American sees 3.6 million advertisements a year. And every single one of them is speaking to you saying, Don't be content with what you have. You need this or you need that. We live in a culture that gets rich off of discontentment. Advertising will deceive you. Hello, not only that, but we tend to get Jonesitis. items We're infected with keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, y'all are pretty cold. Your co-worker gets a new phone, so you get a new phone. Your neighbor gets a new car, so you get a new car. Your friend gets a new house, so you get a new house. Listen, stop letting other people spend all your money. When you're always wanting more... When you what you have is never ever enough, the Bible calls that something serious. Colossians 3 verse 5, verse 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, your sinful desires, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. When you covet, when you're always longing for other people's stuff and give the latest and the greatest, you're making a God out of the things you want. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. There aren't enough things in this world to satisfy your soul. Don't go through life where it's never enough. Trust the God who is more than enough. Listen, God cares a lot more about your heart than he does about your money. If your heart is in the right place, guess what? Your money will be automatically. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Y'all okay this morning? Everybody good? I hope that you've been challenged by this message. I hope there's at least one thing you hate about what I said today. Because I hope that it stays with you when you leave this morning. The Holy Spirit works on you. It challenges you because, listen, we're walking upward to Zion, okay? This Christian walk is about being challenged to grow more mature and closer to the Lord and more disciplined in how we walk with God and manage our lives. And I pray that somebody's been challenged today to grow, to grow in faith, to grow in wisdom. As the worship team comes this morning, I want to ask you the, the most important question of all, Are you trusting God with your life today? Trust Him this morning and you will not be disappointed. Listen, Christianity is not just an invitation to heaven. It's an invitation to walk with Jesus right here, right now. When you trust your life to God, it's an invitation of, Lord, come into my heart and come into my life and come into this mess that I've got myself into and walk with me. Jesus changes everything. Will you stand this morning as we pray? I want to ask Pastor Yari. to come and just pray over the message and pray over each and every one of you. Will you just close your eyes for a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart this morning? Yes, Heavenly Father. I just ask this morning, Lord God, that you touch us, Lord God. Let that message speak into us this morning, Lord God. Like Pastor Josh said, whatever one of those ten points, Lord God, that is bugging us, and we are like, oh, that's not, I don't believe that. Lord God, I pray that you just press that interest, Lord God. Help us to change, Holy Father. Help us to move, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for that individual who does not know you this morning, Lord God. I pray for that individual that feels like they have stepped away from you, Lord God, who hasn't been walking with you, Lord God, who hasn't been walking close with you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you touch them this morning, Heavenly Father. We lift them up to you, Lord God. Anointed, Heavenly Father, bless them, Lord God. And if you haven't had that opportunity to ask God into your heart, we're going to pray this morning. And I just ask that you guys repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. And I ask that you save me. Bless me, cleanse me, and set me free, and be the Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are a child of God. God has touched you. He has stayed down. He has blessed you. He has washed you. He has cleansed you, you. And you can now walk free of any hurt of any pain. You are a new creation this morning. And if, that, if you prayed this a thousand times, it's okay. I pray it every single day. I pray it every single night. I pray it in the afternoon. How I start every single prayer that I say to God. As I repent I ask you for forgiveness. So we just welcome you into the kingdom of God this morning. And Heavenly Father, as I usher yourself forward, Lord God, I want to pray for the, the tithes and offerings this morning, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I us pray that you bless